You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 153. In this episode, I talk about my key takeaways from Social Media Marketing World 2018. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing and succeed with masterminds. On today's episode, I share with you what I learned at my favorite conference in San Diego, Social Media Marketing World 2018. This was my fourth year attending this conference and I have lots of great takeaways for you that you can implement right away in your business. Ready to create a lifestyle business from your passion? Get free access to the seven stages of a profitable online business by going to sigrun.com forward slash 153. There you'll also find the show notes of this episode. Here are my key takeaways from Social Media Marketing World. Totally fresh for you. I'm still sitting in my hotel room on the hotel bed, which is the best place for me to make a podcast episode when I'm on the road. Uh, Social Media Marketing World finished last night. I'm about to check out from my hotel room and go to the airport this afternoon. But before I left San Diego, I wanted to make sure I would record this episode for you so you have it as fast as possible. So every year, or at least last three times, this was my fourth year attending this conference. The last two years I've done either a podcast episode, Facebook Live, or a webinar on my key takeaways. And actually, it's not true. This is the first time I do a podcast episode. Last year was a Facebook Live. The year before it was a webinar. I have always summarized my key takeaways. Now, my key takeaways might be something completely different from somebody else's. It's my personal takeaways. And sometimes it's the things that are on my mind before I go into the conference that uh, reflect what are my key takeaways each time. It's also the talks that I attend. There are so many talks, it is absolutely impossible to attend them all. And even if they go, are all recorded and I will have access to them all, I will probably not watch all the talks. So just before I go into a conference like this one, I decide consciously what I'm going to focus on. And this depends on where I am in my business. So the first takeaway really is focusing on one key takeaway from a conference like this. You know, there are 5,000 people attending this conference. There are, I think, 2,000 speakers. I like (laughs) 200. At least there are many, many, many speakers and lots of talks and panels and uh, keynote talks and discussion groups. And you even learn a lot just talking to the attendees outside the conference hall. But what I've learned from attending conferences now doing this, uh, this is the fourth time I'm coming here, is to have one project, one key takeaway. So I have always lots of takeaways and that's why I also do this episode. But there's like one 
major thing you're going to change in your business. You're either going to start something, you're going to stop something, you're going to change something. And by listening to this episode, I hope you can also have this one key takeaway that you're going to do in your business, something you're going to do differently. Last year, when I attended this conference, Social Media Marketing World, I attended a lot of talks around podcasts. I had been thinking about doing a podcast at least one and a half or even two years earlier. And I was always been discouraged when I was talking to people around me or even thinking about it myself. I thought the whole task of producing a podcast would be daunting. And it was by attending the conference, listening to, you know, podcast hosts, and especially more the podcast hosts that have not been doing it so long. And it was particularly Kate Erickson that inspired me with her simple setup. And now today I have exactly the same setup. I'm sitting here on a hotel bed with the laptop next to me. I have a headset on and I'm holding a microphone, an ATR 2000, a fairly inexpensive microphone. And this how is how you can do a podcast. Now, when I'm recording a podcast at home, either in Iceland or Switzerland, I have a fancier setup. I have a more expensive computer, better headset, better microphone, and you will may ha- hear a little bit of a difference in the quality, but essentially you can get started with a pretty easy and inexpensive setup. But that was my takeaway from last year's conference. I had lots of other insights and lessons and things I would share with my audience and possibly change in my business. But the key thing was I decided to do a podcast. And this was in March a year ago. And then I launched it in August. So it took me time to get started. Uh, I wanted to make sure I did it correctly. And I did my research and everything. But I can now look back on this is basically episode 153. And a year ago, I did not have a podcast. I came into the conference wanting to know everything I could know about podcasting. And I had decided I would make up my mind after the conference whether I would do it or not. So that was really helpful. And that's what you need to do when you go into a conference or you listen to a podcast episode like this one. Decide one thing for your business and really follow through. I'm going to tell you what is my big project at the end of this episode. The second takeaway for me is masterminds. They are totally in. Maybe, of course, I'm attuned to it, running mastermind groups and mastermind days and a mastermind retreat in Iceland every year. I'm more attuned to listening out for discussions on masterminds. But even beside that point, I constantly heard people talking about masterminds. They were either in a mastermind, wanted to join a mastermind, they want to run a mastermind. There's a lot of curiosity in the air around masterminds and it's really taking off. I swear to you that four years ago, when I attended this conference, nobody was talking about masterminds. Or if they was, I didn't notice because there were so few. So there were sessions on Mastermind this year and last year. And even three years ago, there was a short session from Pat Flynn, more on free masterminds. But now the trend is towards paid masterminds. And we know the reason is just the accountability, the facilitation, the structure, the system and everything. And it was fascinating to attend a session with Aaron Walker. He targets men, Christian men in the US. Well, actually, they are all over the world, but you know, they tend to all look the same. That was funny when you saw the pictures of the groups. They were all like white, male, Christian. But he has his target group really nailed down, which I thought was fascinating. 
He had a complete system on his mastermind groups. They were all a group of 12 people. They meet weekly and uh, you can, you know, join and you can leave at any point. You pay monthly. He had a great accountability system. So lots of good takeaways that are way too long to share with you right now in this takeaway episode. But the point is more that if you're not in a mastermind already, please make sure you join one. If you are too late to join one this year, then make plans to join a mastermind next year. There is nothing, absolutely nothing. And this is me quoting also Aaron Walker or anyone else who I spoke to this week about masterminds. There's nothing that replaces this to help you achieve success in life and business. It is being in a mastermind. And if you're thinking about running a mastermind, offering a mastermind. I feel that there's a lot of business owners that go way too early into this. They hear the buzzword mastermind and I think to myself, oh, this is where I can, you know, make money. This is where I can, you know, build my business and grow my business. And I'll say, hang on, hang on. If you don't already have a six figure business, this is my rule of thumb, your business should be at six figures at least before you start considering offer masterminds. And the reason being that you need to be a successful business owners having done something, whether it's one-on-one or group coaching or online courses before you offer masterminds. Masterminds are not successful if the people running them haven't really been successful themselves at running businesses. The best masterminds are with facilitators that already have a successful business and a mastermind is kind of the icing on the cake. You should already have a running, profitable, sustainable business when you add mastermind programs on top. So that was one of my key takeaways. Masterminds are in, but also be prepared and be ready before you offer masterminds. My third takeaway, and this is more of something that I was thinking about before I joined this conference, It's been something on my mind pretty much for several months. It likes versus revenue. Now, one of my clients, actually many of my clients have more likes than me, but it was interesting. She she told me this story, or actually someone else told me this story, that her clients had asked her why she would hire me as a business coach since she had more likes than me. And she had to explain back to them, well, likes is not the same as revenue. The same occurred to me. And, you know, there are things that you kind of know, but then you realize. And then that's two different parts. I was attending a conference last year. Uh, I was sitting around with a lot of speakers. And I was telling them that I was about to hit the $1 million mark. I was about to have my first seven-figure year. Now, I wasn't there yet, but I was getting pretty close and I was uh, yeah, 99% sure I would get there. And all of them with like hundreds and thousands of likes on their social media, they were nowhere near that number, possibly multiple six figures, but not seven. And it hit me that we are so much looking at likes, me included, I am guilty too, that we forget to say, well, is this actually a real business? And is this the right person to go to in terms of what is my goal? So if you want to be a social media star and somebody has a lots of likes, hey, go ahead and go to that person and learn from them how to have a lot of likes. But if you want to earn a lot of money, 
you don't necessarily go to somebody that has a lot of likes because those two things are completely separate. So I made a little test. I took my 10,000 likes and obviously when you make seven figures and you have 10,000 likes, that's $100 per like. Now I realize that's probably quite high, but that means that the quality of the likes is really, really high. When people have hundreds and thousands of likes or million likes, the quality of each lead in terms of revenue will not be as high. I took some influencers where I knew the revenue numbers and obviously can look up their likes and I made a calculation to see that you get a more realistic number. And it's somewhere between 20 and $30 per like. So that's something for you to look at your business. You are probably, many of you, earning more than your likes. And that's good. That's good. And you should not worry about it. But I want you to be careful when you are buying programs or hiring a business coach or joining a mastermind. You know, look behind the facade and don't be so obsessed with likes yourself. Now, my fourth takeaway actually contradicts the third one a little bit. I attended a session with Joss Elledge about how to use social media to go into traditional media. Because what the problem is when you are an expert like you and me, a lot of people don't know about us. We become like the, the secret to other people's success, possibly. And this is connected again to the number of likes on social media. People make assumptions and they make wrong assumptions. Now. I don't want you to go chasing for likes, but what you can do instead, and that was my fourth takeaway from this conference, and I had already been thinking about this before. I had seen Janet Murray speak at Youpreneur Summit in November. I actually booked an hour with her to get some more lessons from her. And this was confirmed again in Joss' sessions at Social Media Marketing World. Influence versus authority. Influence is typically those that have lots of likes. But we don't know what's behind that facade. It could be absolutely nothing, or that person can't be a total expert. But we don't know. Now, on the other hand, somebody can be a true expert in their industry, possibly authority within their niche, but because they're not getting the press coverage or don't have the likes or, or whatever else we see visually from the outside, we are not looking at them as true influencers. So what you want to do as an expert, you want to get the authority status within your niche, but you also want to be seen an authority beyond that. And that's where traditional media comes in. You know, social media only takes us this far, but it's when you come to somebody's website and there's a logo from TechCrunch or Guardian or any big newspaper in your country or a magazine, then you look at that and say, hey, well, this is probably somebody I should check out further. The thing is, it is quite easy with the right tactics, of course, is to uh, get more likes on social media. It is actually quite easy to get a viral video. I'm not saying easy, easy in way like, oh yeah, I'll just do it right now. But when you post something on social media, it doesn't have the same value as if a journalist interviews you and it's published in a newspaper or magazine and then possibly they also have a digital version that you can share. 
it does not have the same standard as if it was just on social media. Maybe a social media post that you posted yourself. Or maybe your friend posted something nice about you. Great. But when it's in the newspaper, magazine, radio, TV, it has a completely different effect. It's this social proof beyond the social proof that we know from testimonials. It's the ultimate social proof. And a lot of solar entrepreneurs, we tend to ignore this. I have pretty much ignored uh, PR and traditional media. Actually, I, I was more in the newspaper 2014 and 15 than 2016 and 17. And it's interesting because the more success I have, I've actually been less in a newspaper. Maybe it's been a good thing. I've been a little bit hiding and just working away and building my business and growing the revenue. And now one of the things I want to focus on in 2018 is traditional media. And this was at the conference, of course, confirmed. I was, of course, looking for it. You know how it works. We have something in mind and then we go and we get it confirmed. But it's a reminder also for you to think more of traditional PR, not sending a press release. Don't do that. You know, look up uh, modern PR. Look up Janet Murray, Josh Elledge. These are people that know how you can get exposure. It's definitely one of the things that I want to focus on and is one of my key takeaways from this conference. Takeaway number five, Instagram is the new Facebook. We know Facebook reach is going down. And if you haven't had it yet, you're going to experience it very soon. And a lot of people are saying, oh, I should just stop using Facebook pages. Shouldn't I just use my profile? That's where I get more traction. I say, no, Facebook pages still work. You just have to post quality content. And nothing has really changed. It's just the feed is very busy and Facebook is actually doing you a favor by showing you less of what you don't like and more of what you like. Now, the downside is, of course, that we tend to live more and more in a bubble, which is one of the things that I don't like about social media. But the fact is, you don't want to be seeing something you wouldn't like, comment or share. But you want to see something that would interest you and you want to like, comment or share. And that's why when the feed gets so busy, if you are posting crap on your Facebook page or posting the same things again and again, or only posting your own stuff, which tends to feel more salesy or less informational and, and less edutainment, entertainment, people are not going to like it. So if your reach is going down, you should be looking at what you are possibly doing wrong and rather post less and higher quality. Now, this takeaway was about Instagram and not Facebook. So this was a bit of a side comment. Now, I have been a big fan of Instagram. I love taking pictures, but I haven't really focused on my own growth there. I have about, I don't know, 1800 likes compared to Facebook is, is over 10,000. So obviously my focus has been on Facebook. Now, one of the reasons also is that I run Facebook ads and I have not run Instagram ads so much, a little bit, but not so much. But Instagram is the new Facebook. It's where you could say the cool kids hang out. I have found it much more easier to reach out to people, to tag influencers. If I go to a conference and tag people through my Facebook page, nobody's going to see it really. And sometimes this tagging thing doesn't even work. But on Instagram, the influencers that are speaking, they see it and they like it. 
And even though it's not so easy to share on Instagram, that's really a huge effort. You need a separate app for it. But still, Instagram is where you have conversations. You get likes and comments and you can direct message people and they respond to you. It's a bit kind of the visual way of Twitter. And I can see my audience moving over from Facebook to Instagram or being actually in both. I think those people that are following my business Instagram account are typically already liking my Facebook page, but they're going to see more pictures. They're going to have different kind of interaction and it feels overall like a nicer place. Now, I listened to Jasmine Starr, who is one of the authorities on Instagram with 223,000 likes. And yes, she has a great revenue number two, but Two, three years ago, her Instagram account didn't look nice and she wasn't growing her following, but she had decided to focus on Instagram. So she looked what was working. She basically did her research. The same thing you need to do when you decide to go on a new social media platform, check what someone in your industry is doing and if they're doing a great job and they're growing their reach and followers, maybe there's something you can emulate. You don't copy, you emulate. And for me, one of the takeaways around Instagram, besides it being the new Facebook, is that you pick nine to 12 categories that you post in. So it's really easy to plan ahead what to post. And you need to be more conversational. If you look at Jasmine Starr, you should just check out her Instagram account. She really has nice, long Instagram posts. There is a story and there's a beautiful image. Now, she is, of course, a photographer, but that should not be your excuse not to post pretty pictures. You could even join her membership site and get a copy of her pictures if that is one of your excuses. But there is no excuse for you not taking your own pictures and doing your own posts, but treating it more like a little blog post or a little newsletter and not just one or two sentences. Also, hashtags are important, but still... If you also interact with other people and you actually respond to the comments that you get, you direct message people, treat it like a platform where you want to get to know people and you're building relationship rather than just posting pretty pictures and then walking away. Jasmine recommends that you stay after you've posted something that you check again after 15 minutes or you check on other people's accounts and you comment because that's what the algorithm likes. So nine to 12 categories, this is my takeaway. I'm gonna go after this conference now and think about what are my nine to 12 categories. So example, uh, Jasmine had the book of the month, what she's reading. She has always a picture of her dog. She has a picture of her husband. She has a picture of herself. She has a picture of palm trees. She has a picture of her coffee cup. So these are already several categories. Now, how is this related to business, you might ask? Well, you drink coffee in the morning to get going, to get energy. You go maybe and take a walk with your dog in between coaching sessions. Everything is related to business because business is personal. My sixth takeaway is Facebook ads. Now we said Facebook reach is going down and everybody can complain about it. But if you're creating quality content, you will be able to push through. And Facebook ads is the way to go as well. There are 7,200 million businesses on Facebook, according to Mary Smith, who is the queen of Facebook, but there are only 6 million advertisers. So if you're not advertising, this is your chance to jump in before everybody else discovers it. Now, a lot of people have maybe tried it and then they stop. 
but I suggest that you have constantly an ad running, maybe just for five or $10 a day to a good freebie. Now, if you don't have a good freebie, then you need to create one because that's the whole point of Facebook ads that ultimately you want them to sign up for something. So Facebook ads, the discussion was very much around custom audiences, which is focusing on the people who have already kind of looked at something. And once you have an email list and once you have a client list, you can create a custom audience from that and then you create a lookalike audience. So I would download my email list, upload it to Facebook, and I would click the button, create a lookalike audience, and then Facebook is getting really, really smart about lookalike audiences and will create an amazing group of people similar to your email list. Now, what's even better if this is just your client list? I know this is hard when you're starting out and your client list isn't that big, but soon as it's big enough, then you should have your client's list instead because these are much more likely buyers in the future. Now, you're going to show a Facebook Live traditionally to these people or a video or you send them to a blog post. Once they have watched something, either a video or they have gone and clicked to a blog post, you can retarget these people. This is another custom audience. You can retarget them with an ad to your freebie or if you want to be really, really fancy about it, you maybe show them two, three blog posts before you show them a freebie or you show them two, three videos before you show them a freebie. The key is that you get more granular on your custom audiences so your lead cost goes down. If you are doing something like lookalike audience straight to a webinar sign up, that's going to be fairly expensive. I know because I do this. Uh, it's one of my shortcuts in my launches, but it's okay because I know I'll have a return on investment. But if I'm running ads constantly and I'm not in the middle of a launch, that is way too expensive. So you got to take the slow route and warm your audience up before you ask them to sign up for something. And people are not so excited about signing up for something. So the question is also about using messenger ads. And also in a launch, messenger ads are great. You can have an ad like, have a question, are you interested in this program? For instance, are you interested in Samba? Have a question, message us. People want their questions answered and they don't necessarily reply to an email or send an email but if they see this in their newsfeed they're very likely to click and ask you a question. Takeaway 7 Facebook Live. I mentioned just briefly that it's good to take your Facebook Live and turn it into ad and the reason we say Facebook Live and not just upload a video to Facebook is that there's six times more engagement on a Facebook Live versus a video you upload to Facebook. Well, what's the reason? Because Facebook has decided they put a priority to Facebook Lives. They love it when people like and comment and share your Facebook Live. That's why you should ideally pre-announce your Facebook Lives and that will possibly have people liking, commenting or sharing even before you go live. So you'll have a lot more people joining you actually during the live Facebook. But even if you don't announce it beforehand, a lot of the views will come afterwards. And then once you have some organic views, you're going to change this into an ad. And this is how you're going to build both. You're going to turn your warm audience into even warmer audience. And you're going to take a cold audience and turn it into a warm audience. Facebook is going very heavily into 
the direction of TV. They are competing with Netflix. Facebook Watch has already been rolled out in the US and since I have a US phone number when I'm in the US, I can see what's possible. I have a special watch button inside my Facebook account and I can basically watching TV. They have collaborated with several TV shows and some famous people like Gabby Bernstein who already have a show on Facebook. But this possibility will be open up to anyone who's willing to do the work. So I suggest you jump in right now and start your own weekly show. I started last week or week before with my show. Now, I've been doing Facebook Live irregularly, but Facebook likes it when you do it regularly. Ideally, every Monday 8 p.m. or whatever time or day you pick in the week, that's what Facebook likes. This builds your audience. People don't even need to be notified because they know they can tune in, just like on TV. You know, TV in the old days didn't tell you that a show was coming. You knew you could sit down and watch at a certain time and it would not be missed. Now, people like myself, I find that quite hard to fix a certain day or time because I travel, but I could upload a recording instead when I do or I announce to my audience, hey, this week, it's not on Wednesday, it's actually on Saturday. But whatever it is, Facebook really loves it if you do it regularly and you create a show. And if you've been thinking about it, now is the time. And the sooner you jump in, the better. Takeaway eight, chatbots. Now, last year at the conference, this was like the new kit on the block. Messenger, ManyChat, and all these different tools that can help you create automated sequences and start to chat with your audience. It felt like a little bit out of a science fiction and a lot of people were not ready to jump on board. It took me about, I think two months and then I decided, hey, I'm gonna jump on board and I'm gonna be one of the first that actually starts to use this. And I have really loved using it. I have talked about this, especially inside my Samba program. I've done a masterclass on messenger bots and I like it. The scary part is that I'm a little bit afraid that some marketeers the sleazy ones, will use this incorrectly and will make people not want to use Messenger because they are constantly being bombarded with ads or inappropriate questions or links that it didn't ask for. So I have developed my own strategy already for how I use messenger bots and I use them sparingly and not regularly. I use them a part of a launch sequence. I use them as a part of You know, when I am uh, having people sign up for a freebie, I offer them to sign up for a messenger bot as well. But this is coming mainstream. Whether you like it or not, people prefer messengers. This is the best way to reach out to people right now. The open rate and the click rate is through the roof compared to email. So email, you can look at 15 to 35% open rate, depending on the quality of your list with uh, Messenger, you're looking at open rate between 85 and 99%. The click rate, clicking through something, is somewhere between 20 and 30% in a messenger versus only a few percent, like one to three or 4% in a typical email. Now I'm talking about big email list. If you have a very small email list, you probably have much higher numbers, but messenger bot is still gonna be the better way. People are on Messenger, and if you look at the trends in Asia, where they are a lot further than us in Europe and in United States and Canada, 
they are using Messenger for almost everything. And what is coming are ways to keep the conversation inside the Messenger. I have already experimented this by sending people videos through Messenger instead of asking them to go to a certain page. You can run a whole three-part video series inside Messenger. You can ask for an email connected to your email list. So basically the way that a lot of businesses are testing this right now is to ask to people to find up from Messenger first because it feels so easy. They just make one click and they're signed up. They have to reply again to make sure they're confirming the sign up in some way. And then they have to be notified that they can stop at any point. Assuming you do all of this correctly, but the next question you ask, what's your email address? And you just don't say what's your email address, but you rather say, hey, I have another PDF for you, or I have more information for you, or I would love to send you this video. What's your email address? So you do it reversed. I have until now been doing it, asking for email address first and then offering them to sign up for ManyChat. And about, depending, 30 to 40% typically sign up when I'm doing a launch this way. But this would be changing the system completely. And I'm very excited to try this out because I think this is a much easier and nicer way to onboard potential clients and just even subscribers to your list. What's coming in Messenger, as I said, Facebook would really love to keep people in the Messenger. So if you can have information that are inside Messenger versus sending them to your website, that's better. So what's coming very soon is payments. You can start to pay for things. Connection with Stripe is coming really, really soon. And then you could say, well, here's my program for $47, you know, and there's just a buy now button inside Messenger. Now, you would possibly want to deliver all the goodies of your programs to that email. So that's why you need to also make sure you grab their email address. So super excited about these changes, but I'm also cautious about how to use it. It is permission-based marketing. So the way I use Messenger bots is that I always ask a question and there's always a way to opt out in every message because people might have signed up for my, my Messenger bot last year let's say 10 months ago, and now they see a message from me and they're like, who, what is that? Because I'm not sending it as regularly as I'm sending email. Now that's something to think about for myself if that isn't better, if I send out more regular message so people are not as surprised because, you know, it can be quite creepy when you suddenly get a message and you totally forgot that you signed up for something, especially if it's in your messenger and not through email. Takeaway number nine, vlog. Now I have kind of been tiptoeing around this subject. I am watching people using vlogs. I even say vlog, I probably say it incorrectly. It's basically recording your day or going on a trip and you record snippets and you have B-roll. I didn't even know what B-roll was. Basically it's when you record the view that you have out of your hotel window, but you are not in the picture. So that's like the background video. And you stitch this all together and basically here's a day in your life or here's how your trip look to social media marketing world looked like. And the people doing it, I think that really increases the authenticity, the connection to them. You're, it feels like you know the person a lot more versus if you just watch Facebook lives, webinars or professional videos where everything is kind of to the point with makeup and everything. You know, vlog is a way to invite people behind the scenes, follow you, get to know you. It feels currently to me a little bit like a daunting task, but 
podcasting felt to me also a year ago like a daunting task. So I can see myself doing this at some point. I'm not completely ready. But if you are the person that can easily pick up a camera, uh, let's say the phone, and you could just film yourself when you are going out for a walk or if you're going to a meeting with a client, of course, make sure you get their permission, do it. There are so few people actually doing it and those who are doing it are building their followership much faster than anybody else. People want something real. They want the real person behind the scenes and not just slideshows and presentations and professional videos. And that's where a vlog is so good. You can do it a little bit with Facebook Live, but the thing with Facebook Live, you're just standing in one spot. A vlog is where you actually kind of move around typically through your day. It's, of course, fantastic if you're traveling and meeting people. Maybe less interesting if you're just sitting in your home office. But still, people want to see your home office. So you could have a behind the scenes there. What I would recommend if you want to try this out, do it as something that you just do once a month or something in the beginning. And if you really like it, you can go down to once a week. I have not started this yet, but I'm really, I'm circling around the subject and it's coming up again and again. So it was another takeaway for me. Takeaway number 10, one-on-one is back. You know, online business is great, but people are craving meeting in person but also they are craving a human connection. Now, when you've started to automate a lot of things, and maybe you are not automating so much, but you were hoping that you could send out a few emails and you will sell online courses. Nah, people are getting tired of this already. So you gotta mix back, go back to the old ways. The old fashioned way of selling is actually building a relationship one person at a time. And then you might ask yourself, how is that scalable? Well, funnily enough, that is kind of scalable. It doesn't mean that you interact with every individual person, but when you interact with persons, let's say on Instagram and Twitter, and other people see you interacting with this one person, it feels like you interacted with them. You can see Gary Vee and other people who have very busy lives, very busy schedule, and they still take the time to answer individually. Now, it's impossible for them to answer every person individually, but just that human touch. Don't be, you know, the person that as soon as you're successful and have automated things that you just go away from computer and hang on the beach and you think you cannot talk to anyone anymore. That's not how it works. So, Direct messaging on Instagram is hot messenger. Of course, we were talking about chatbots, but at some point the chatbot is finished and there's actually a human to human connection. And I know in my launches, I really make sure I'm not busy with anything else because I am busy on messenger and email and everyone else to answer people individually. Even if it's a question that's been asked a hundred times before, I take the time and answer that person again. So one-on-one is back. Takeaway number 11, Blogging. Blogging is not outdated. I actually recommend that you have a couple of long, epic blog posts. I talked about this. If you are in my Samba program or in one of my mastermind programs, you have heard me talk about having an epic blog post. So even if you're doing Facebook Live, you're doing a podcast like me, have an epic blog post on your subject matter. It really helps. I know from experience, in my first year of business, I wrote a blog post, how to start a company in Switzerland. Now I've hidden this blog post from Google search because I got too many visitors and too many of the wrong visitors. But it showed me 
that with a good blog post, it took me about 10 hours to write it. And I put it on my website in February and probably six months later, it was number one on Google. So I've proven to myself and to my audience and to you now that anyone can do this. You need to check. You can use the keyword planner from Google to check how popular your keywords are and make sure you pick something that is not too popular because then it's more likely that you go up to number one in Google search. But even if you just have one blog post, like in my example, that will help your business. And if you had three or four or five or six, that would be amazing. And you don't have to be doing this every month. You could even just write a few every year and that will really catapult your business that you come up more often in search. Number 12, podcast. Now, it was all about podcasts last year. I have the feeling because I was going to all the podcast talks. Of course, there were podcast talks this year too, and probably as many as last year, but I only went to a couple. And it's just confirming that podcasting is still growing. It's not too late to join, but you need to have a strategy. You need to be different. If you are just going to interview people like everyone else, it will not work. And if you're interviewing the same people that everyone else is interviewing, that will not work either. You need to have your unique touch, your unique takeaway. You need to be different. The more you niche down, the better. The name of your show is important, but it's such a fantastic combination with email marketing, messenger bots, and everything else you could be doing in your business because people actually listen. You know, you are here listening to this podcast episode as I'm recording this here in my hotel room. And actually, I should have checked out already. <laughs> I am just waiting for a knock on the door. But podcasting, it's not too late to start. And try it out. You could just decide to do a few episodes. People can do a series. You can decide to do 12 episodes and then you'll take a stock whether you continue or not. You can also just record audio even if you don't launch a podcast and put it on your website and see if you like it. You can upload it to SoundCloud. People are traveling, especially in uh, bigger countries like the United States. People are on the road a lot. They're driving. They love to listen to podcasts. People are at their home. They're cleaning their home. They're doing something else and they love to listen to podcasts. I am actually one of those that I rather listen to a podcast than watching a video. And my favorite way of consuming content is reading a blog post. So you can see everyone has their preference. So just focusing on video is not going to be a sustainable strategy. You need to be looking at audio as well. You could be taking the audio of your Facebook lives. I prefer not to do it because I think my focus is going to be on clear audio. And that's why I prefer to record it separately. Number 13, the last takeaway. I know this has been a lot, but I really want to make sure you get all these takeaways. Writing a book. I was in a session, of course. This has been my dream for many years to write a book. I said 2016 I would write a book. I said 2017 I would write a book. And now I'm saying again I will write a book. And this time I want to keep my commitment. And I needed this session that I went to by Chandler Bolt. He teaches people how to write a book from zero to published in 90 days. He has a program on it. It's quite expensive, but I'm thinking about joining. And even if I don't join, I got some great takeaways. He talked about mind mapping your book. Now, I had already done it, but he talked about writing about the biggest pain point of your clients. So I had all kinds of ideas, turning your passion to profits, mastermind method. But is that the biggest pain point of my client? Well, I think finding your true passion was a big pain point for me and many of my uh, subscribers. 
So that would probably be my first book. Another one is related to the subjects that I teach inside Samba, my one-year MBA program. So I am going to be looking at what is the pain point, mind mapping again, a book. Probably what I wrote already is reusable. The stories you have, you know, you're not necessarily have new stories, but you... Uh, can reuse it and the structure of the book needs to fit this pain point. Ideally, if you have a course already, that's brilliant. And then you mind map each chapter. Now I not somehow, it's so weird because I love mind mapping. I had thought of mind mapping my book, but I had not thought of mind mapping my chapters. So that's what I'm gonna do. And that's my big, big project coming from this conference is to mind map my book and finally have it published and I'm going to do self-publishing because that goes a lot faster. And then I know I can get it done this year. So what is your key takeaway? Write it down right now and make a decision. It's all about decision. And the decision is just a split second. You don't have to think about it for a few days. You can decide right here and now, what is the one thing that you are going to do differently 2018 based on these key takeaways or the insights you had by listening to this show? I'm looking forward to hear from you. Go into my group, Lifestyle Business with Sacron, and share with me and the audience there what is your key takeaway from this episode. Ready to create a lifestyle business from your passion? Get free access to the seven stages of a profitable online business by going to sigrun.com forward slash 153. There you also find the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe, and give the show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.